Hello, and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bearers, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of CANA, the Native American programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Indigenous communities from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Whitney Fair. Whitney is a citizen of the Oglala Sioux tribe. She was born and raised on the Pine Ridge Reservation, where her family had a small cattle operation. After finishing high school in 2005, Whitney moved to the Fargo-Moorhead community, where she discovered a drive to pursue nursing as a career. She worked as a nurse in emergency medicine, mental health, and community health. And while working in homeless health services at Family Health Care, Whitney made a decision to pursue advancement of her nursing education to expand her services that she could offer her patients. Whitney completed her master's in science and nursing in August of 2019 and is an ANCC board-certified psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. Whitney currently works at Family Healthcare in Fargo, North Dakota. Her clinical specialties are trauma-related disorders, substance use disorders, parental psychology, harm reduction, and LGBTQ-S2 emotional health. Whitney feels that an integral part of fulfilling the responsibilities of a nurse should include advocacy for issues such as health equality and social justice. Whitney serves as board member of the Indigenous Association. She is a current chairwoman of the Fargo Native American Commission. In her free time, Whitney enjoys spending time with her children, twins, Isabella and Remy, painting, creating traditional beadwork, quill work, and being outdoors. So let's jump into this conversation with Whitney. Whitney Fear, thank you so much for joining us at Five Playing Questions. It's so great to have you here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, would you be able to introduce yourself? Um, tell us uh, about yourself, your background, and where you're from. Sure. So my name is Whitney Fear. I'm a member of the Ogallala Sioux Tribe. I grew up on the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota. And my background, um, so I'm a, a, not a full-time artist. I work as a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner full-time, but have been drawing and painting and creating visual art since I was younger and like junior high and it's something I enjoy and feel like it's a good outlet for you know for the day-to-day stuff too for sure and I do encourage patients that I see to utilize their you know, artistic outlets as a way of expressing themselves and working through emotional health issues as well. And uh, can you talk a little bit about your journey uh, becoming a nurse getting into the medical field? Sure. So that was something that, you know, I wasn't really quite sure what I, what I maybe wanted to do whenever I was younger. I I nearly dropped out of high school as I wasn't attending very often. (laughs) So I I kind of had a struggle to finish high school. And then I was, so I was just kind of getting back on track with my setting goals and thinking about the future and whatnot. And I happened to get a job at a psychiatric hospital up here about a year after I moved up here and nursing was something that I had thought about but I wasn't sure that I had 
well, I'm terrible at math, so that was one thing I thought was going to be a huge barrier. <laughs> but uh, I I had great coworkers that were had become like mentors, and they had you know, kind of assured me that it wasn't as math, much math as I thought, and that I definitely could do it. So I, I decided to go ahead and pursue that venture, and yeah, it's yeah, they were right. I got through it. It went good. I kind of did the, I guess the definitely step-by-step route and an LPN first and then I was an RN and as I was working as an RN I had been a nurse whenever I decided to pursue nurse practitioner school I'd been a nurse for almost a decade by that point and I'd mostly been working in an emergency room like a little bit of like a super short time in the NICU it wasn't for me um, but I had I had found myself at um, where I work now, currently at Family Healthcare in downtown Fargo, and was working in the homeless health clinic there. Whenever I I kind of decided that I was going to go back to nurse practitioner school and focus on on psych because there's a, such a huge need for that nationwide, especially in the community. At the at that point, it was about uh, roughly six to nine months to see a prescriber for psych meds, which is it's sort of like that continues to be the average, actually. It's just that there's not many people that are that get super interested in that field, whether it's physicians or nurses, nurse practitioners. And um, as nurse practitioners, it can be kind of tricky to find a program to, to, to go through for, for specializing like that. Um, yeah, so I I did that, and that's where I continue to work at Family Healthcare in downtown Fargo. And um, actually, can as you can probably recall, we you and I got acquainted while I was working at Homeless Health Services. So yes, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, yes, the um, I, I think at the time uh, the museum uh, was looking to. Um, sort of uh, expand um, its programming and its its building and everything. And so we had a meeting, <clears throat> excuse me, a, a community meeting. And uh, you were such a huge advocate for um, for the community uh, as far as uh, mental health and a place for people to come. And it really sparked uh, some conversations within the museum afterwards on how we could be a, a member of that community as far as being a, a good community member. Um, and that sort of led to the creation, or at least the space, uh, for, for an organization in town, um, within the museum space there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's great that the Plains has been so willing to be such a partner. That's such a unique, um, facet of a museum. I feel like because that's usually not a conversation that, you know, the museums kind of get involved in and, and work towards it. I think it's fantastic for sure. Very inclusive. Yeah, it was, um, you know, I think initially um, after those meetings, we were, you know, we were talking about, you know, how, how could we be a part of something like this? And, you know, of course we're an art museum, so uh, it's hard to make those connections, but ultimately um, I think the right people uh, got involved in that conversation and we were able to make a space. Um, And we can talk more about that um, a little later, um, 
can you talk about your biggest influences, um, both as you were younger and coming up and your influences today? So two, two of my bigger influencers whenever I was growing up when I was young were my grandmothers. They were, they were both, they were very different people, but both very compassionate and patient. Uh, my grandma, my dad's side, definitely a lot more uh, kind of, a, I guess, the effects of, a, you know, colonialism and, and assimilation and stuff are a lot more apparent in her. She's very much, um, like, disconnected from her culture. Both both sides of my family are Olala, but, uh, but she was just very encouraging in, in everything. You know, I know, like, I loved it. Me and my brother both loved to draw and stuff from pretty early age, and she'd get us like. I remember she got us a spirograph one time, and that was like the noise that <laughs> we drew so much with that, and like tons of crayons and, and those things. But um, and my my grandma on my my mom's side is a you know had a lot lot more you know traditional knowledge, although she she was a a boarding school survivor and so was her her father but she had retained some things and kind of had grat real grass on to some other things that she would make um she worked at head start in porcupine south dakota whenever i was really little and i would go to work with her a lot um i would, I would get just so bored when i with my brother in school living out in the middle of nowhere so i would ride with my grandma over to porcupine and she would cut up like uh, scrap paper and stuff and i would sit there and draw and write things and whatnot and as she was she was always really encouraging as well and pretty much I mean both of them pretty much anything I did which was which was great um but yeah so that, I mean whenever I was younger those two were definitely big influencers um I have a couple relatives that are are really talented and you know, gifted. I was always really fortunate to one of my relatives, Elton Three Stars, and um, he has he has a paint. I think he has at least one painting in the Smithsonian, and he has been to Germany whenever he was young, and and all that. But, um, definitely, really liked his his style, painting really cool. Um, yeah, I got to whenever I got to high school, I had an art teacher that was. was awesome she would put on bob marley on the radio um and just you know she was just very i guess very much like encouraging of like free expression she didn't she had assignments like general very general assignments but they weren't it was pretty much do whatever you will with what i've told you to do like a still life but you can have it be whatever you want to be it of so i thought that that was that was pretty cool she was she was a great art teacher um, but, uh, yeah, I guess then as I got, got older, um, yeah, have really, you know, as I, I really, uh, liked to see what people would create whenever, like when I worked at, at the psych hospital, both as a, when I first started there, whenever I decided to go to nursing school and then I, I came back for a while too as a nurse. And I, I like seeing what people make there and it, it definitely could tell that it made an improvement in their mood and, and things like that. And that was cool to see. And uh, when I worked at Homeless Health, 
the people I worked with were big influencers on me as so I decided to go back to nurse practitioner school. I, there is such a need, especially for Indigenous people. There's some things that, you know, can can get a little murky with oh, psychiatric care. One of them, I, I think that is pretty overarching. Um, but actually, as Sean Sherman mentioned in his in his discussion with you about how like medicine men and and spiritual people, um, indigenous people used to be like put in sanitariums at one point, you know, be, because of spiritual beliefs, not because probably not because there was any psychiatric issue whatsoever. I kind of continue to see that, you know, was seeing that that was an, an issue. And um, I guess there's one person I had met who they were taught, recollecting their, this experience they had with, um, and I think that the, the general public would call this being Bigfoot or Yeti, whatever. Um, but you know, we see that um, being as a kind of a sibling brotherly kind of uh, spirit that's a huge honor to have them show themselves to you. And this person had experienced that and they were so overwhelmed with the gratitude about that and felt like they were on the right path in life. And they felt so good about that. And their, their psych doctor put them on a antipsychotic, <laughs> which I think is so inappropriate because that would, I liken that too. Well, I mean, with that same doctor or provider, um, but they have put someone who said, oh, I'm so inspired. I had, you know, I had a Eucharist or communion yesterday and I, I consumed Jesus' body and drank his blood and now I feel better. Um, so I think there's some, some older pathologizing of the spiritual beliefs that goes on for sure. And that can, you know, that, that encounter with that person made them like very reluctant to open up to their provider after that because they, they felt like that was going to happen again. So, um, yeah, so they were, you know, they were a big inspiration to me for sure. The people that I worked with, many of them very, very talented, um, but some of the things that they could create with a number two pencil and an old book paper were pretty amazing. One um, gentleman, he, he passed away. He was from up uh, on Turtle Mountain and he once drew a, a portrait of Sitting Bull with a, like just with a plain pencil and a notebook paper that looked like a, looked like a black white photograph. It was incredible. It was self-taught, missing an eye and did all that himself but uh, stuff too you know we've seen um it be is pre-covid i don't think they have been having it go on because of covid but there was an art group being done once a week um with with that population at the engagement center and it was it was cool to sit with people and watch them create and and whatnot and whenever i was still the nurse i really liked that i'd go over there sometimes and paint with them and that's a pretty cool time for sure so their big influence on me definitely well that's pretty incredible um one i think it's great that there's uh groups that are getting together um to do artwork uh you know those who are um experiencing those types of issues and that the, the space is created for them to create that i think that's i think that's incredible um how have you developed your career, uh, both college and post-college? Well, 
you know, I have uh, kind of just tried to stay focused on what I, you know, kind of what I believe in. And I, I tell people, I guess, what kind of leads me that way is I, you know, before I'm a, a nurse, nurse practitioner, I'm Lakota. That's my number one identity. So kind of looking at our, our values and compassion and generosity and um, fortitude. And, you know, I think that, I think Indigenous people are very resilient people. And I, I think that shows that there's been things that should have, you know, been, it should have been the, the end of many of us, but was not. And I think it can be, you know, this time is, is a very special time too. And so I think that there's, you know, room and space for us to share that that resilience and what inspires us with the rest of the world too. Um, so we can all work together and, and kind of integrate ourselves into into the now so that we can continue to to progress into the future. So I, I try to remain focused on that. And I think that that's something that would that is beneficial to all people, not just indigenous people. Um, I think that the non-indigenous people, you know, sharing with them that the concepts of like the broader concepts of like compassion and generosity and kind of thinking about in a mindset that's focused on collectivism instead of individualism um, about, you know, kind of really thinking about future generations and, and not just the one that we're living in to trying to be, you know, at a point by the end of our lives that we can say that we contributed positively to other people's lives into the future that we lived in a in a good way and I think that's something that can can be shared with non-indigenous people and be beneficial to them as well so I guess that's kind of how I've developed my career is with with those things in mind and you know things have just kind of fallen where they were supposed to I guess um, you know, I've just been, I guess, think, you know, thinking about, I found, have, found myself in the same spaces or able to have conversations with people who were, who were like-minded and who were ready to have those conversations and receive them and, like, to start working towards meaningful progress with those conversations. And then those have led to, you know, some ability to you know, share with like the larger healthcare community, some of those things and um, about indigenous people, about the state of our, our health and, and whatnot, the, the history, but then also how that, you know, that same kind of, the same kind of uh, oppression or barriers the things that we experience so many other people experience that too and how can we address that and also involve people in their own care too I think that's very important and I, I think um, that leads us right into uh, the next question is on how how do you seek opportunities and how do opportunities uh, present themselves to you sure so it's yeah it's been very random <laughs> 
And I think, um, you know, really, it, it is, you know, important to, you know, I, I think that sometimes Indigenous people have a hard time trusting people outside of our community because that hasn't went so well in the past at many junctures. So it can be tricky to decide um, where, you know, is this someone who, you know, this person I'm interacting with, is this somebody who truly cares about this issue? Um, another kind of layer of that is there's people who won't, won't do much with the information that you offer them, but then there's uh, people who do things in, in a way that isn't so meaningful. And that's kind of where we get into the territory of things like saviorism, where people want to do um, everything, but uh, that's not necessarily helpful either. And that is something that, that comes up, not just with indigenous people, but with populations like the homeless, uh, people who live in poverty, where people, and, and it's really, I think it's, it is very well-intentioned, but it can be a slippery slope from helping somebody to making them reliant on you or making, um, creating some dependency on things versus empowering people and teaching them what they need to know in order to get what they need for themselves and, and be able to find the resources they need for themselves so that they can be more independent, but also live well. So that is that's kind of a something that I guess takes some finesse and learning who who's going to do what what kind of thing. But I've just um, you know something that I think really helped me for sure was uh, I I had went to this workshop in Denver and it was on mentorship of uh, nursing students, how to be a, like a good preceptor and mentor to nursing students um, in particular, uh, also how to begin to work to develop mentor, formal, formal mentorship programs within nursing schools. And I was, you know, kind of, I was really interested in that. I've always, I've always liked to precept students and, and have students with me. I actually have a, I have a psych NP student right now. It's with me, going to be one, with me once or twice a week through this December, and you know there there's a huge absence of presence of Indigenous people in nursing and in all healthcare related fields actually, but less than one percent of nurses are Native American, which is really stark in contrast of how substantial our healthcare needs. Like when you look wow. at that. Less than one percent of of Native American of nurses are Native American, but our young men, our young adolescent men, are seven times more likely to commit suicide than any other population of adolescent boys. So those are those are some big um, needs. With not, you know, I think um, we know that people have better outcomes whenever there's a, at least one person involved in their care that looks like them or shares the same cultural values as them. So that's important to have that representation. But I digress. I was at this mentorship <laughs> workshop, and something that we did while we were there is that we looked at what um, strengths we had and what we needed to develop further. And something that kind of came up is that uh, 
it would be beneficial if, if in my, I guess my testing stuff said that it would be beneficial for me to uh, work on being more vulnerable and also in a kind of overcoming some kind of imposter syndrome, which I think is really common for indigenous professionals to um, kind of feeling like you don't don't belong. How long is it until they figure out I don't shouldn't be here? <laughs> and um, you know, so I really that that mentorship program was cool because beyond the the couple of days that I was in Denver, it, it went on for um, we had twice monthly meetings like over the phone with with someone and that that helped so much or tremendously and so I started to put myself out there a lot more and got ended up getting connected with some people that way and that that went you know really I guess was a big like stepping up point I guess as far as career development and getting connected with some people um, at Robert Wood Johnson Foundation um, at the Center to Champion Nursing in America and having some really um, deep and um, broad conversations with them about Native American health. And they, I guess it paid off, you know, they were very receptive to those conversations and and actually were sort of, you know, it indicated they're kind of waiting to try to figure out how to get connected to somebody as they are very aware of the mistrust with indigenous people. But not sure exactly how to approach that um, because they, as one one of the people I've been working with has has put it to me, you know, there's not exactly much of a basis or foundation for trust. So where do you start? He, hey, I know that other people have told you that you can trust them, <laughs> and here I am saying you can trust me. <laughs> I'm going to try to do a good job with this. Um, but yeah, so it's um, yeah, that's been I guess kind of a where I've, I guess, how I've gotten to connected to opportunities, and it's scary, and I'd say that for, you know, other Indigenous professionals, it, it is scary, but there is, you know, um, anything worth anything in life you is a risk. You have to take a risk to be able to um, have the potential to achieve anything you know like I don't remember the guy's name but he was Michael Jordan's basketball coach and he said you know you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take so some of the stuff you do you kind of have to put yourself out there and and sometimes it doesn't go well you know there's some endeavors that I did try to get involved with that that did not go well wasn't received well that um that uh there you know I wanted to bring up the conversation about the lack of diversity in the nursing workforce um and it was just kind of totally um, ignored. <laughs> but, you know, um, these bigger opportunities or, or I guess more um, broader opportunities ended up working out anyway. So it ended up leading to something else. Yeah, such a great point. The, you know, the whole point of this podcast is to show um, young indigenous people uh, that there are, um, people, I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's ironic because it's an audio podcast, but, you know, people that look just like them that are successful in, in all fields. And so, you know, as far as, um, you know, finding good mentors, but also being a good mentee, you know, seeking out those people who uh, do the same things that they want to do. And um, yeah, that just really resonates with me. 
Um, what would you want to say to the 18 or 22 year old that's listening to this conversation? You know, I would, I would say that, you know, there, it, it is a, it's tough to, to integrate. Um, it can, I think, often feel like um, you're being pulled in a, a few different directions when, you know, the, the basis of our, our cultures and what we believe, you know, spiritual beliefs and, and all that is, is not always congruent, um, is actually infrequently congruent with the professional world. And it's, you know, I think that sometimes it, it can even feel for a lot of um, indigenous professionals like, uh, you know, like maybe I'm, maybe I'm a sellout or am I, you know, kind of giving into this this way or whatever. But truly, I, I think that if we if we don't try, we we are kind of rolling over because, it, you know, in the state of things as they as they are, if we don't have our own people out there to help take care of our own people who have substantial health needs. Um, you know, I, I know that uh, Joe, your wife is a, a physician, so she probably sees this and I, I can't even imagine how helpful that that is for indigenous people to, to you know, see your wife at the bedside as their physician. And I'm sure like inspiring for people who are visiting them and whatnot. I, I think that that would be so cool, you know, as a, like a young kid or whatever to know that your grandpa's doctor was a was an indigenous person and you know so it, it you know that that can matter so much and have such a huge impact but um you know if we kind of decide like well you know i'm not doing any of this thing or whatever because you know it's some kind of it, it feel it would feel like i don't know waving a white flag or whatever um, if we if we don't get involved that I think is probably going to lead to, to worse things um, it, you know the I don't I definitely don't subscribe to that viewpoint of like needing to forget the past I don't think we should forget anything that happened um, but I think that in, instead of using it you know or, or letting it defeat us you know I think that it could be an inspiration to to do everything that we can to make sure that you know, our, our presence continues um, in our in our homelands here and and that we actually you know get to a point I think that we can definitely get to a point um, there's leaders like like Dr. Don Warren you know that uh, up at UND that are are nationally known um, nationally recognized leaders in, in communities and you know that I, I think it's something to to keep in mind when kind of grappling back and forth with that, that, you know, it is, it's tough to maintain both identities, but it, it definitely can be done. And if you're, if you always kind of keep in mind, like, I'm Lakota first, and then this is my job, and I can integrate the two together. Um, and kind of work from work from that point, instead of trying to you know, keep both separate or try to, I guess, uh, you know, keep a bunch of different plates spinning, trying to just really integrate all of that. 
sold it, you know, as a cohesive kind of identity is, you know, like a good thing to do. And, you know, know that there's, like, there, there will be a point, you know, one day when, when it pays off for sure. And that can be hard to keep in mind whenever you're still trying to get, get out there and, and start to trust people and try to, you know, but it, you know, I, I heard somebody say once that, you know, being like vulnerability is a gift that you um, give to yourself and that you give to someone else is that helps other people understand you and where you're coming from. And then it also, um, it can feel good to kind of let, let some of that go and have, have somebody, you know, listen and help you with whatever it is that you're, you're wanting to do. We, we definitely can't do it on our own and there's great allies out there and that that presence is ever increasing i will say that for sure know that even if things aren't happening on a on a local level whether that means county or state or whatever know that that um, any exclusion that's coming from that that kind of micro environment i guess um, know that that is the passing way because nationally that's just not where things are headed. And um, one of my one of the people I've gotten connected with has been a, such a great mentor. Is um, she's a fantastic nurse and really a, a, like a pretty big deal. Uh, Susan Hassmiller had said, you know that. That the way the way that things are going nationally are are very progressive, and they will the rest of the the country and you know down to you know as as uh, smaller environments like counties and cities they will have to have to follow suit. They just, they won't have a choice. So if you can kind of keep that in mind and keep your hope up, it's you know I hope that that 18 to 22 year old. Um, generation knows that things will definitely be, you know, shaping up really well, I think, in the next, you know, as people kind of that age group get going, you know, and, and also like keep an eye out for, for other Indigenous people or even people that um, have similar backgrounds, you know, I've, I've gotten connected with a couple like Hispanic nurses that we have, we have so much in common, you know, the experiences and, and life and whatnot. And, um, you know, I know that, like, so for example, um, the Nana Aina, which is the Native Alaskan American Indian Nurses Association, and the, like the um, Hispanic Nurses Association, they actually developed, like, they started together. It was like nurses that were good friends at a university. I believe it was in New Mexico or Arizona. I can't remember where, but um, yeah, they they got that started together and and encouraged one another. So it doesn't even have to be you know, what you would say, well, you know, this I'm Lakota and this Anishinaabe person I have stuff in common with or whatever. Like there's other other people. You know, I've met like Hawaiian nurses that have been really encouraging and a lot in common with. So look for those like commonalities too, as I think they can be really, really important. Well we're we're all indigenous. You know, we we were all on the land before it was divided up. Uh, before I let you go, um, 
last i wanted to bring up last uh, last fall uh there was a film crew uh around the museum and around fargo and they were uh they were here because of uh, the work that you were doing um i don't believe as of the taping of this this episode i don't believe that film has been released yet um can you talk a little bit about that if you yeah, can so the, yeah i can actually that um so there's they're working on finalizing a title for that project um and the the team and director editing that have been um have been very thoughtful in their their editing process and trying to put something together i think that you know they I think they really do truly understand the importance of what we were trying to capture there, which was um, the the connection to to the the larger community, um, not just seeing siloed or, um, as nurses or uh, nurse practitioners, but kind of branching out to other disciplines and other um, agencies and and community members as well, getting involved and. Um, that being something that can be tremendously impactful on somebody's health, um, you know, kind of the, that concept of like empowerment rather than, um, you know, creating creating dependence or fostering dependence on on people, um, and and also just kind of that, you know, I really talked a lot with them about that kind of identity as an Indigenous person and um, how that. I feel like was it was for me and is for you know can be for so many other indigenous people pursuing it well any career I think um, but it, you know I guess what the career that I know about is healthcare I think that the concepts of our from my culture just like are are so congruent with healthcare provide you know with um, careers a healthcare provider they literally like match up perfectly so. Um, they're such a huge strength and kind of make, I feel like, make Indigenous people kind of natural fit into nursing, um, into medicine in general. And so I talked to, you know, I talked quite a bit about that. So they've been trying to be very mindful while editing footage of that. And they're, they are nearing completion on that process and should be um, looking towards the end of February to release that. Um, on what platforms to be determined still, but yeah, I will, I can provide updates in the future about that, but this can be really exciting that developed out of um, the, currently a podcast called Shift, and it's um, hosted by a, a nurse, a nurse practitioner in Florida, um, and that's, that's kind of where that the film kind of developed out of they wanted to branch out from this podcast which interviews nurses that do all sorts of jobs and um, branch it off into the film so that the shift podcast is something if people want to check out in the meantime they definitely can um, whether they're in healthcare or not there's some really great topics that are discussed for sure um, and yeah, that's, I think it's going to be and turn out pretty cool. I got to see a first cut of it, which is like a very rough cut, but it was it was pretty incredible. So. 
Oh, that's great. We'll we'll definitely be looking for the film, and I will put a link to the Shift podcast on our uh, in the show notes for this episode, for sure. Well, uh, Whitney, thank you so much for uh, your time and uh, being a part of this podcast interview. This was really great. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So, um, it was a great podcast, so I'm really excited to be a part of it. And that does it for this episode of Five Plain Questions. I want to thank Whitney again for her time and sharing her story with us. Having Whitney on was, was such a treat because of two reasons. One, um, as a creative person, she occupies two fields, right? Uh, as a creative artist, but also uh, someone within the, the medical field. And not just the medical field, but the, the mental health uh, field as well. And it's so important to be able to, to showcase these individuals for the work that they do and for the perspective that they bring. And that leads me to the, the second part of why she was on. And it was something we alluded to a little bit um, in the program was that when the museum a few years back, uh, the Plains Art Museum, wanted to uh, renovate and put together a master plan for the, the expansion of the museum. The administration invited in community members from the indigenous community uh, to provide perspective and um, conversations to the museum. And Whitney brought forward the, the issues of mental health within the community and a space for, for individuals. And I think in the immediate uh, moment of that meeting, um, it was not really something that we really could answer to because, you know, we're an art museum, but it stuck with me and I pondered on it for quite a while. Well, when a certain space within the, the campus of the Plains Art Museum opened up, I saw the opportunity for the Indigenous Association, the, the community organization within the Fargo Moorhead area, to maybe be able to be there. So I connected um, board members and um, individuals from IA to the museum, and we were able to work out a deal uh, to have them in our space, and I couldn't be happier about it. Uh, and so, you know, um, that's happening in the Fargo-Moorhead area right now, and I, I hope that there's a lot of success for a lot of years of work there. But it takes people and leaders like Whitney uh, to make things like that happen, and so I thank her for, for all that she's done. I also want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what I feel is a very important story and perspective from our community. So please, join us next time as we speak with another incredible person. I'm Joe Williams. You can find me on Canna, that's C-A-N-A-A, Creativity Among Native American Artists on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, across social media, and at our plainsart.org website. There you can see our programming, past videos, and these podcasts. If you have a suggestion for someone for me to interview, please look me up on Facebook and message me. I'd really like to hear from you. So please take care, and we will see you next time. This has been an 11 Warrior Arts production.